Hi, and welcome to episode 16 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. exciting episode for me. Um, a big part of uh, one of my goals when starting this this podcast was to be able to um, find people and interview people and get to know more people in my community and using this podcast as an avenue to do that. Um, so with all that said, um, I'm very excited that this was um, this episode will be my first really public um, podcast recording. I went to Montrose, Pennsylvania, um, which is about an hour south of me, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, and I went to the grand opening event of a coffee shop that is called My Cuppa Coffee. Um, fantastic coffee over there. Allison is the owner, and she is a wonderful, kind person. Um, and I encourage you, if you are in the area, to go check out her coffee shop. It's really great. Um, it's a really good vibe in there. It's a good hang. Go check it out. Um but I went to this uh, grand opening event, um, and uh, I offered to buy strangers coffee in uh, in exchange for um, you know about ten or fifteen minutes of their time to share a real brief uh, synopsis of their life story um, and what is God, what God is doing in their life, or um, you know, or if they're not Christian at all, just to you know hear what um, what's going on in their life. So. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a really good time. I interviewed some wonderful people, um, some that I already knew, um, one that I already knew, and then uh, some people that I got to meet for the first time. So um, it was a real treat for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it is a, it is a good one. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Um, to learn more about why we're podcasting and why Beck and I started this podcast, head to www.happyraccoon.net to learn more. The very first guest I have on the uh, on this episode is Jennifer Flanagan. Um, Jennifer is a really wonderful lady who has um, an amazing story of working with the FBI, living in Washington D.C. before making her way back to Montrose, Pennsylvania. Um, she is the owner of the building in which uh, this uh, event was and, and and this podcast was recorded. Um, Jennifer is a fantastic person. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And Jennifer, if you're listening to this, thank you again so much for the talk and for your willingness to open up about um, your your uh, your fight with mental illness and how important it is that we talk about that more. So uh, enjoy this conversation with Jennifer. I want to thank you so much for volunteering and being the first one on here. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's really great to get to know you. Um, you. You shared a little bit about yourself with me. Um, and I only have you for about 15 minutes because you got to get back to your booth. But gosh, you mentioned that you were in the FBI for six years. Is that correct? Yeah, I was actually in D.C. for six years. Okay. I worked there for two. I was at the FBI for two. Okay, what did yeah. you do for the FBI? Can you tell me or did you have to yeah. break my neck afterwards? No, no breakings of necks. Um, I was a secretary stenographer. So this okay. was back in 86, 87, 88. I, um, would, would, I was a secretary and then I would also take a shorthand dictation okay. from the uh, special agents and then um transcribe and do all sorts of other secretarial duties and i had top secret clearance so wow really did you get to meet any any special people uh well yeah so i the met 80s at the time was it the reagan the reagan reagan okay mm-hmm. I mean, the special agents I worked for were all kind of higher level because they, most of the time when you're out in the field as an agent, you come back to D.C. to finish your career. So by that time, you're you're pretty high up in the organization. Yeah. And yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, it was very fun. Awesome. So how did you get into the FBI? You mentioned here that you were born in Montrose, right? Or in this general area. Yes, in Montrose. And then you moved to D.C. for six years. How did you go about being in the FBI? I mean, I imagine that's not just a job application you submit online. Right. So I... Uh, I graduated when I was 17 um, and my senior year I went to the guidance counselor and I said I want to work for the FBI and they helped me get in contact with them and they love to get people from rural areas because quite frankly like you have not that you're raised better but you you have a different yeah there's a different way yeah sure so they 
sent agents up. They did fingerprints back in the day, the old, you know, fingerprint style. Uh, they sent agents to interview all my family and friends, uh, went through the application testing process and was hired. I started, well, I graduated uh, in 86. I started there in September of 86. Wow. I was 17 years old. I had to get a work permit wow. to work in the city of DC <laughs> because I wasn't old enough. Yeah, that's crazy. What a cool story. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. And and so you eventually decided to move back to the area. Why did you move back to the area? So uh, after I was in D.C., I moved to Denver. I was there for 25 years. Okay. Um, that's where I became a massage therapist mm -hmm. and also worked a corporate job. Um, my father got cancer, um, and I just couldn't take being away from home. I was so far away, and my dad and I were so, were so close. So it was really like jumping off a cliff because we had a house out there. We had jobs out there. My husband's kids are out there, although they're gro they were grown. Um, we just decided uh, he's working the same place he's working remotely okay. that he was in Colorado. I uh, ended up quitting my job and getting a job at Binghamton University. Very cool. Uh, so it was quite a big deal. And then um, dealing with his illness, and then mm -hmm. he passed away about two and a half years ago. Okay, awesome. Well. Well, I'm certainly glad you're in the area now. Thank uh, you. I'm glad to be friends with you. That's really exciting. And, and, you know, it's really thrilling for me to be able to be here and to get to know more people in this community and surrounding communities. Um, I think it's a really fascinating story, and I admire your, you know, your history of travel. I think it's really exciting. I often feel like a lot of people that are in small town areas uh, make the mistake of staying in them for too long, and they lack, you know, being able to experience things in perspective. Um, that's really, really great. I personally um, spent about maybe 30 hours in Denver, and okay. it became one of my favorite cities, I think, that I've ever been to. I was driving. I moved here from, from California um, about three, almost three years ago. Almost four years ago, three years ago. I don't even remember anymore. But um, I moved out here from California, and so I drove here, and I drove through um, through Denver, and I stayed in Denver for the night, and, and I had just a blast. Went to a couple of breweries, and I love Denver. And there's something about the Colorado air that's just really, really clean and clear. Do you mm -hmm. get that? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, it is a beautiful place. Awesome. Well, one other thing that you know I mentioned to you, and you've had maybe about ten minutes to sort of ponder it, um, is the real like question that I'm asking people today on the podcast. I would love just to hear from you um, and let you kind of take the, the the stage here and tell me like the the really general question: just Are you happy? Okay. Are Are you happy? Um, and if so, tell me tell me why. And if you're not, share that with me. But I would love just to hear that from you, mm -hmm. um, you know, from the heart. You know, are you are you happy? Thank you for asking that. That's very and I and I would like to share a little about that because um, on paper I would say my life is very successful. You know, I I have always worked a corporate type job. I'm a massage therapist part time. I'm part owner of this new building. I, I have a lot going on. I always have. I'm a very driven, motivated person. But I do struggle with anxiety and depression, uh, and I also have ADD. So they have been things that I've had to overcome in my life to get where I am. Mm. And I feel like nowadays, especially the younger generation, if they do struggle with something like that, I feel like a lot of times they get discouraged mm -hmm. and don't push through it, don't push forward. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'm not happy. Yeah. And there, I have every reason in the world to be happy. I have a wonderful husband. I've got, uh, I'm living in my hometown, which is what I've wanted to do. I'm right next door to my parents' house. My mom's here. Mm -hmm. um, have a wonderful life. And even with that, sometimes you just, you're just not happy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard. Um, so that, that's one thing I would say. And you know what? And not always. Like, there's a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be happy for. Yeah. But I, I would say that, Anybody who's listening to this who has struggles with depression and anxiety, you just have to push through yeah. and find the joy. Yeah. Find the peace and the joy. I think peace is another one that's hard. Yeah. I think that, that that's a really great thought. And yeah, I think that is something that um, has really plagued um, a lot of people and has been a struggle for a lot of people. And I'm really excited for you that you know, you're doing well and that you're so open about those struggles because I think it is something that people need to normalize talking about and, and and normalize the the struggle and that a lot of people are suffering from that and and you know i don't know what you know if there's no rhyme or reason why um there has been an increase in depression and anxiety within our community but i think the more that we talk about it and, and open up with one another about that i think the better 
better that everyone will be. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's a really important thing that, that we normalize talking about. I think it's one of those things that, you know, people want to talk about, um, but they don't know that they can share that with other people or they're embarrassed to share about, with that with other people or, or parents are raising their kids to be too tough and not vulnerable and open about, about the struggles that they're having. So I really do appreciate you sharing that a lot. I know for me, um, you know, throughout the struggles I've had in my own life with anxiety um, and depression is that I've just focused so much of my energy and time on really just looking to Jesus for that mm-hmm. and, and pursuing him through um, through all my anxieties and really casting my anxieties on him as he as he asks us to do in the Bible. And that's really difficult to do. Um, it's really easy to, to thank God when things are great, but it's really hard to look to him when things are, are not great. Um, but I think that you know, for me, that's been the big challenge. Um, and I don't know necessarily where you're at um, with that, but I do really appreciate you being open about that because it is something that's really important that we talk about as a community. Absolutely. And I have a universal spiritual kind of feeling of everything. I remember when I was getting ready to move from Denver, I, I was not ready. I was not prepared. I was freaking out hard mm-hmm. because I was just like, oh my gosh, I've built my whole life here. What am I doing? And I just remember asking God, like, I'm going to jump off this cliff and I'm going to count on you to help me mm-hmm. because there was nothing else I could do because you can, your mind can only handle, it can only process so yeah. much. And when you're, when you're young, like when I moved to DC, when I moved to Denver, I was all like, yay, happy. Like, Oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. Moving. You're young. But when you get older, when you're, when you're almost 50 and you're thinking about doing something completely different, it's so yeah. hard and you have to trust in God or the universe or whatever you yeah. you look to and um just don't you know that everything does work out it just yeah. does yeah i think that's that's exactly right i think that for me i've been able to put in perspective you know just how heavy things need to be um you know for me like a lot of my anxiety and stress has come from being a young father of two oh, and, yeah. and and needing to provide for my kids and being looked at as a provider and and all of that happened really subtly i didn't have a lot of time to prepare that in my life I'm, my wife and i moved really quickly you know, we got pregnant on accident, and uh, and so for me, that, that has been a huge source of anxiety for me. But one thing that has been just so helpful is just looking to Jesus and re- like just remembering that that is such a small piece of what life really is, um, and that. You know, the whole idea is that you know money isn't the root of happiness, even though it truly does seem to help often. I think it's important to realize that money isn't the root of, of digging yourself out of um, anxiety and, and, and sadness. And it's been um, a good reminder to me that throughout that area of anxiety in my life, um, I know that people struggle in different areas, but it's been really important to continue to recognize the fact that you know everything is going to work out, everything's going to be okay, and the important thing is that I remain a good father to my kids and a good husband to my wife, a good friend to my friends. And in the end, that's all I can really want throughout my life. So That's so uh, wise. Yeah. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on, Jennifer. It's so great to know you. I'll, I'll definitely talk to you throughout the rest of the day. Thanks okay. so much for being my first guest. And is there anything else you just want to throw out there and, and, and share? I, wanted, I Also, if you want to take the opportunity, I mean, you shared a lot um, in a short little 10-minute span. But if you could just tell someone, um, you know, maybe tell your, yourself... 20 years younger than you, what would you share with them? Oh, I would just say, don't worry so much. Everything's going to be fine, and and, and the worrying doesn't help. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day here, and uh, I look forward to talking to you more throughout the day. All right, thank you. All right. The next guest I have on this on this podcast is Chaz. Um, I actually didn't get a last name, but Chaz is the other owner of the, the building, um, Chaz, uh, he said that he had a radio voice and he wanted to give the podcast a shot and he and I had a good time. Um, he was, uh, he was a great interview. Um, he is a veteran in the air force. He flew commercial airlines for many years and he has traveled the world. Um, I really appreciated um, my conversation with Chaz and I hope that you enjoy it. All right, we got my second person of the day. Uh, we got Mr. Chaz here, which is short for Charles and that's maybe the coolest nickname I've heard in a long time. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You thanks. are the, the owner of this building. Um, one of the owners. One of the bu- partners. One yes. of the partners of this building. That's exciting, and this is an exciting event. I'm happy to be here. Um, but thanks so much for being willing to come on and share a little bit about yourself and your story. You bet. I know we uh, we had talked a little bit, um, and you were in the Air Force, and I'd love to hear more about that. How long were you in the Air Force for? Uh, Thirteen years. Thirteen years in the Air Force. That's exciting. Did you serve anywhere, um, any foreign places, or were you stateside most of the time? 
No, I did uh, basically four years in Tucson, Arizona as okay. a forward air controller flying an A-37 Dragonfly. Very cool. I then did four years in the F-111, okay. and uh, three of that was in uh, RAF Upper Hayford, England. That was a blast. Very cool. Uh, that was during the Cold War from uh, 89 through 91. And then I was back stateside in Columbus, Mississippi as an instructor pilot in the T-37 Tweet until I separated in uh, 96. Very cool. Awesome. So you flew airplanes. You're a pilot. Yes. That's really cool. You know, I, I was sharing with Jennifer that, you know, one of the um, <clears throat> one of the goals of this podcast and the goal for my wife and I is that we eventually want to go into full-time ministry uh, at some point and we don't really know what that looks like right now but I've always joked that my pipe dream was to be a bush pilot because I was a, I was a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea and the pilots were always super cool and they'd come flying in and they're little they have these little blue uh, short shorts which were a little bit weird and uh, and the kids all the native kids all loved the airplanes but um, I'm colorblind is it true that you, you can't be a pilot if you're colorblind is there a colorblindness test somewhere along the way? I recall in the Air Force being colorblind would have stopped you initially, but if you were already in the system and were already a pilot and then you went colorblind, oh. you could continue. But gotcha. they figured you had already gotten through all the training that required you to have colors. Okay. So. so my two dream jobs growing up was to be a police officer or to be, which I'm glad I didn't turn out to be a police officer now. It seems like a little bit of a, a scary job right now. Was to be a police officer or to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. Turns out both of those jobs, you have a really hard time getting if you are colorblind. And I was born mm. colorblind. Mm. I get the police officer one, right? You're in the courtroom and you need to identify what color vehicle this person was driving and you can't because you're colorblind. Mm -hmm. uh, but what about being a pilot throughout training? Would I, what would I stumble on if I was colorblind? Can you think of anything? I never understood it. Uh, well, I, I think some of the instrument panel things, you know, you have like something called the red line mm -hmm. and uh, parts of the instrument panel. And especially nowadays with the uh, computer generated uh, screens mm -hmm. that are like iPads, instead of yeah. having instruments, uh, everything is a colored screen like cool. iPad. Okay. And uh, I do recall one of the guys I worked with went colorblind towards the end of his career and he was able to continue okay. doing his job because he had already picked up on everything yeah. that he needed to know and uh okay well oh well i think it's a bummer there's like colorblind correction glasses and contacts these days so i suppose i could try and get my way around it but it's you know a little bit easier said than done but okay so you're you're in the military um you've been around the world which is, you know which is really great um, so at what point did you move back or did you move to this area in Montrose, Pennsylvania? Well, when I got out of the Air Force, um, we lived in Florida for a couple of years and I eventually got hired by Continental Airlines out of Newark, New Jersey. And I was commuting up the East Coast and uh, then living in a, an apartment with a lot of other pilots. Hmm. And... Uh, after a couple of years of that, I decided I was too old to live in a frat house anymore <laughs> and uh, told my family we were going to move to Pennsylvania to be closer to Newark so I could drive to work and hmm. take a lot of stress uh, out of my life. Uh, yeah. Commuting for a pilot, you, you fly for free, and uh, I could go from Florida up the coast in two and a half hours, but... Hmm. Uh, it was still a lot of stress if the flights were full, or the weather was bad, and the airplanes diverted. You didn't get to work. You put your job on the line. Yeah. So uh, we moved to Pennsylvania, a state that I never thought I would ever live in because I grew up in Boston, and I thought Pennsylvania was the sticks. <laughs> and uh, we were in a little town called Lehighton, just north of Allentown, okay. and raised our kids there for the last 20 years and had a blast. Love Pennsylvania. And we would come up to Montrose. We bought a vacation home up here 10 years ago. Mm. And now that my wife and I are empty nesters, we sold our place near Allentown and uh, moved up here permanently. Very cool. So. Awesome. So sounds like you've been to a lot of places. You travel the world. Do you have a, a favorite one? Hmm. I was asked that question uh, standing in line in New York City to get my passport uh, 
a visa for the, at the French embassy, and a girl found out I was an airline pilot, and she asked me that question, and she said, where is the best place on earth to be? And hmm. the answer was easy, home. There's no place like home. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good so, answer. Uh, but uh, if you're talking at really cool cities to go to, uh, I would say uh, Hong Kong is an amazing city because it's mm. like a human beehive because mm. of just so many people and so many buildings. And mm. I, I've never been to Shanghai, but I imagine that's similar. Um, cities in Europe that were amazing would be uh, Paris, of course, Rome, and Berlin stand out. Mm. And if you can't get across the channel, uh, the cities that I really like to go to were uh, London and uh, uh, let's see, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland was also fantastic. Very cool. Wow, you've been a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of different things. I think that's that's really spectacular. Oh, I, I must also throw in, uh, since you mentioned uh, missionary work, uh, Jerusalem is fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah, if you can get to Israel and go see the old city, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, the mm. Mount of Olives, Yeah. Uh, see where Jesus walked in. And what struck me was just how close everything was. Yeah. You know, you can walk from the uh, Garden of Gethsemane to the Mount of Olives in five or ten minutes. But you just, from reading uh, the Bible stories, you don't quite get the perspective of how condensed that area is. Yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Because, yeah, when you read and you read scripture and you see that Jesus had traveled so much it's like man did you jesus like travel you know millions of miles or was it i mean he did travel quite a bit but you know things are kind of on top of each other which yeah. i suppose is good for the for the foot travel because they didn't yeah. have much travel other than, other than boats back then and, and sure. horseback or but, donkey back if you're yeah. you know Done. jesus so another amazing place to go yeah yeah very cool well for me the best place i've ever been to is probably fiji and papua new guinea where's where i grew up Australia. I've really only been to like the Pacific oh, Islands see. and and uh, and, a, and a few different places across the United States. But um, you, I you've do. You've been to places I've never been, so that's cool. Well, you got to get back on <laughs> on flying then. But uh, yeah. we're see. Well, I don't. Um, and I apologize if this insults your age or anything like that. But <laughs> were you ever a pilot um, during the movie? Uh, you know the movie Catch Me If You Can with mm. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. Where I'm I'm familiar with the movie. He fakes I've... being an, like a, a co-pilot. Yeah, I've never seen the movie, but I'm familiar with it. Okay, was yeah. that around the same time you were a pilot? That that think... movie came out? No, that the... that actually because it's based on a oh, real that, story. No, that that I believe that was probably in the '60s. The, okay. Based on the real story, and uh, I didn't go into flying airplanes until the uh, early '80s. Okay. I went to uh, Embry Riddle Aeronautical University, Daytona Beach, Florida, and graduated in '82, and went into the Air Force in '83. Very cool. Well, it's good that we have you on because, you know, it is Memorial Day in a couple days, and, and I think it's really great that you're on here, and I really appreciate your service um, and uh, your service in the military. I think that's a really great thing. And, uh, yeah, you've lived an incredible life, um, and I think that's truly amazing. And Montrose is a fantastic place to land, I think. You know, it's uh, I'm from the big city out in California, and I like Montrose. It's nice and quiet and quaint around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the big question of the day that I'm asking um, everyone that comes on and, and every guest that I have, um, and you can interpret this question however you like, and you can answer it however you like, but the general question is, is are you, as a person right now, are you happy? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and can you tell me why you're happy? Uh, when you're comfortable in your own skin, you know, you're, you're comfortable where you are in life and where you've been, and you have uh, hope for where you're going and a vision for where you're going. Yeah, I think it makes it easy to be happy. Yeah, and very cool. You know your Savior. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I appreciate that, absolutely, and, and it's good to know you're a brother in Christ, and... Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. If you could just say one thing to maybe the younger generation, or if you were to say one thing to yourself maybe 20, 20 years ago, um, what, what would you say? What would be your message? Uh, follow your dreams and uh, stay focused and don't give up. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Chaz. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you letting me enjoy your building today and do these podcasts. I really do appreciate it a lot. And uh, thank you for coming on for episode 16. My next interview was with Brandon. Um, Brandon, I think it was Cutshall. 
Um, Brandon is a really good guy. He is down in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, working with a ministry down there. Um, he works with the youth for a new church in the Philadelphia area. Um, Brandon gives some great perspective on his ministry, and I really enjoyed my conversation with him. He's the type of guy where, gosh, I would just love to be his friend. You know, you just meet some people like that where, man, you would just love to love to be their friend, and it was a privilege to get to talk to him, and I really hope that you enjoy my conversation with Brandon. We got Brandon on the podcast. What's your last name? Cutshaw. Brandon Cutshaw. Very cool. Brandon is a good friend of John Groves. They met at Liberty University in Virginia, right? Is that where yep. Liberty is? Central Virginia. Um, and, and we already found out that Brandon actually knows a guy that I know from Simi Valley, California, because, you know, Liberty is where everyone goes to um, interlock each other's friends. So, um, But thanks so much for coming on, Brandon. I really appreciate it. I'd love to hear more about um, what we've talked about and that you currently have a ministry going on down in Philadelphia. Yeah. Tell me more about that. First, tell me what you majored in at Liberty and how you ended up in Philadelphia. Yeah. So I majored in undergrad in pastoral leadership. I had a few minors in youth ministry, theology, American Sign Language, all that. And then in my master's, I did pastoral counseling with folks of marriage and family. Um, And I moved up to Philadelphia about a year ago from Central Virginia to be a part of a church plant. Um, Mm -hmm. There's like about 30 of us that moved up to Fishtown in Philadelphia. And um, so I'm a part of that, just helping out however I can. So Mm -hmm. I don't work at the church, but I help to lead one of the small groups and help to lead the kids' ministry stuff there. Um, Philadelphia's a cool place. Been there, like, just over a year at this point. Philadelphia is really cool. I went down there um, to go watch some baseball games. I'm a huge Dodgers fan. I don't know if you like baseball. Um, But Philadelphia is definitely a great place for a ministry. There's a lot of struggle there, as there is at a lot of different places, but... Um, that's really, really great. How many, you said there's a church, how many people are in your church right now? About 30. About 30? Okay, yeah. so slowly growing? Yeah, slowly. A lot of us moved from, like, Central Virginia. Okay. Um, and we just actually had our first Sunday, like, all together last week. Yeah. So it's still gonna, pretty new. That was going to be my next question, is how has that gone, planting a new ministry in a big city like Philadelphia that is, um, you know, throughout a pandemic? What has that been like for you guys? It's been slow, um, but kind of in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like we we know we're a bunch of outsiders coming into this place that has a lot of established connections. Like there there are a lot of transplants in the area that we're in, but there's also like half of the people that are there have been there their whole lives. Right. So we don't want to just come in with these ideas of what they need or what they mm-hmm. what they should be doing. Instead, we want to kind of develop those relationships and earn the right to have a say um, mm. and to have a place to share the gospel. And so um, it's been slow, just like trying to get to know our neighbors. Um, people aren't super keen on having long, drawn-out conversations with strangers in the middle of yeah. COVID-19. But uh, over time, like small interactions build up to make meaningful connections um, mm. to the point where people know why we're here and are at least wanting to support us in that, not yeah. necessarily like wanting to dive in themselves, but um, one step at a time. And yeah. it's been good so far. Great. Yeah, I, I imagine that it's quite a struggle. Um, and one thing I really like that you said there is is uh, your interest in, in sort of developing a relationship with the community to have a say. And what that initially reminds me of is as a, um, as a kid, as a missionary kid in New Guinea, that was one thing that I know that my parents were trained um, in that when we entered a tribe of indigenous people in New Guinea, um, our goal right off the bat wasn't to, you know, have a home or to, you know, um, strive to be really comfortable or or start establishing or laying like our grounds there, we were there to learn and we were there to develop relationships and really there to take a really humble approach to our relationship with the people there so that they would be a lot more receptive to hearing what we have to say rather than having the approach of us going in um, and being like, you know, here's everything you're doing wrong and, and here's, you know, what we have to offer you is, you know, we really went in there and, um, we went into an existing work, so a lot of these things were already developed, but typically the, you know, the system is that we, you know, you go there and you start providing things that, you know, they need that are just generous acts, like of mosquito nets, you know, malaria is a big killer in New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you build them a school where you teach them general um, reading and writing and, 
um, you know, you build a clinic so they can take care of their children. The infant mortality rate when we got there was like insane. I think the average like um, life expectancy in New Guinea. Um, but we went anyway, not that we changed anything, but I think it was like 33 years old mm-hmm. because infant mortality rate, it's just like, you know, it was crazy. But um, so I, lo- I love hearing that approach because that's something that like I'm familiar with and that, you know, when we went overseas, it was all focused on um, you know, developing relationships with people first and, and serving them before saying, hey, we're here to plant a church and we got some stuff to share with you because otherwise you guys would be in big trouble with that type of thing. So I love hearing that approach. That's really great. Um, what has been your favorite part of Philadelphia personally? Um, I mean, I just being in a city is pretty cool. Yeah. It's nice. Everybody that I know is in like walking distance. Yeah. Like a 10, 15 minute walk for the furthest people that I know. So having people close by is super yeah. nice. Having a lot of things available is super nice. Um, Coming from Central Virginia, you didn't see a lot of different types of people, mm. and so um, I work in Center City. So like sometimes I'll take the L in, and I'll get to see just so many different people. Yeah. And I kind of had like an existential crisis the other day because I was sitting at a coffee shop and just watching all these people walk by in like a, a ten minute period, and I was like, yeah. "There are so many of us here!" Like, yeah. and like sometimes I can feel super insignificant, like just knowing how many people there are just in the general area. And I was like, but there is like a way to connect to these, these people. And like as individuals, maybe it's like our time on earth is super short, but um, like how to use it well, like to see the people around us and for that to not just like cripple us, but to then like inspire us to make those connections. Um, Yeah. And I guess just like I was saying, use that time well. Yeah, it's cool to see so many different people. Yeah, for sure. I you know I come from you know, the Greater Los Angeles area, and so I'm like in an opposite where I went from the big city to you know the the sticks, the boondocks, and the you know and all of that. And and I I do occasionally miss the big city, and I think I love being surrounded by different cultures and different yeah. types of people. It's super unique. I mean, it, have you ever been to California? Uh, like Disneyland. So okay. I don't know if that really counts, but uh, I mean Disneyland is its own. It should be its own town, but I right. mean that's like you know maybe an hour of hour south of Los Angeles or so. And um, but yeah, I mean Disneyland's a great example of it. you just see like all sorts of different kind of people. Mm-hmm. And I always like throughout my life and and all of the different things that I've I've done or places I've been, I often find myself like looking around and like man how in the world did i end up here (laughs) yeah just like the most random places i find myself in uh meeting like some really really interesting people i mean i never thought um that i would end up you know living in conklin new york where there's about a thousand people in our town um and and having the friends that i have i think it's a really great experience just to change it up a bit from from where you originated from. Um, yeah. And I certainly do miss, like, occasionally the, the big city. I like being in the woods. You know, the other day, um, you know, Becca and Haven and Lennon and I, you know, my, my girls were all standing on our back porch. And we have about maybe, like, 100 yards of lawn. And a deer comes, like, trotting out of the woods. Mm-hmm. And it was behaving in a way where it looked like it was a little bit afraid of something. It turned around. It was, like, stomping its foot at the woods, like, trying to, like, scare something away. And I thought, okay, there's probably, like, a person walking by or whatever. Then out of the woods stalking this deer is a bobcat that just comes out. Gosh. And this was, like, just two days ago. But, um, you know, it's just really cool because it's not something I've ever really been able to experience. Like, I, of course, have had my fair share of run-ins with wildlife in New Guinea. And then living in California for so long where the wildlife is really just seagulls and crackheads. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you, <laughs> you move out here. <laughs> and it's, like, you know, I've seen, I've seen, like, everything there is to see at this point. I don't think I've really missed anything. I've yet to see, like, a copperhead snake. I've seen black bear, I've seen turkey, I've seen porcupines and deer and bobcats and coyotes and you just see all sorts of stuff. But it's just a good, all I have to say is it's really, really great to just change up the scenery throughout your, your life. So all I have to say, like, you know, you're, you're planting your feet in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the long-term goal for you? Is there somewhere else you're planning on going in ministry or are you kind of just seeing where God takes you right now? I'm... I think I'd like to to plan to be there for a while. The goal has been like wherever I, whenever I left the town that I went to college in, mm-hmm. I would like to stay like long term. Okay. Um, and I think like I, I am open to anything that might come up, but I'd never want to have that perspective because yeah, I'm somebody that gets very easily distracted about what is to come, mm-hmm. and so instead of like even allowing myself to think that that might be a possibility, like yeah. if that comes up, I will think through it, pray through it, figure it out, but. For now, the plan is to stay there as 
long Very as cool. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great, man. Well, Hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You know, the last sort of segment that I'm asking everyone, um, towards the end of their, their time on here is I'm just going to ask you the really general question and you're open to interpretation, however you want to. I want to ask the question, are you happy? I think yes. Um, okay. yeah, it's sometimes, you know, sometimes things around us suck and that mm-hmm. makes it hard to answer yes to a question like that. But, um, I think I am starting to just accept how very little I know about the world. And mm-hmm. that has brought a lot of like contentness and happiness, happiness with like the pursuit of trying to know those things. Yeah. And, um, like that's not a disadvantage to, to mm-hmm. not know what's yeah. going on in the world or what to be expected. Like that's a benefit because like think about all the things that you get to learn throughout yeah. the rest of your life. And I'm only 25. Like, yeah, that's a big reason why I don't know a lot, yeah. but to think like the rest of the life of, of my life, I can spend trying to know these things. And, um, it's, yeah, it's okay to be unaware, to be a little bit ignorant yeah because um, the best is yet to come and what you can learn yeah absolutely well if you could then share with me like if you could give a message to of advice you know it's not too often and people you know have their social media accounts or whatever but i'm putting you on the spot right now if you could just give uh, a quick sentiment to either maybe a younger self or just a broad message to the community or the world um what you've picked up over the last 25 years what is something that you've learned that you just want to share just give give a sentiment of advice if you can yeah i think kind of going along with being okay not knowing things is that like the world isn't as black and white as we would like it to be um Mm -hmm. and to be kind of comfortable with the tension that is found in um in the gray area in the things that don't have such like a clear and defined answer like to work through that alongside people and to be not be afraid to be wrong like to be willing to be wrong and to have those conversations um and to get comfortable with how little we know yeah awesome well brandon it's really great to meet you um any any friend of john is is a friend of mine and uh i'm so glad you're here from philadelphia and i wish you the very best in your ministry i'd love to connect with you and just uh you know become friends on social media and just see what you're doing in the future and and uh you know who knows maybe we'll catch a baseball game in philadelphia sometime or something yeah, but for sure anyways, i'll see you then thanks a bunch brandon i really yeah. appreciate it and yeah. uh have a great rest of your day here at this very strange event <laughs> thanks <laughs> all right the next guest I have is Angel Groves. The last name Groves might sound familiar to you if you've been around on the podcast for a little while. She is the wife of episode two, Jonathan Groves, who is an Anglican pastor in Binghamton, New York. Angel comes on and shares the story of how she met her husband. Uh, it's a really funny story, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Angel also shares how she balances the life between running her own business, being a new mom, and a pastor's wife. Really appreciated my conversation with Angel, and I hope that you enjoy it. All right, we're going to piggyback off of Brandon, a friend of John Groves, into an even better friend of John Groves, in that we have <laughs> John Groves' wife, Angel, on the podcast right Hello. now. Um, I did not expect you guys to come by, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. It's not often that I have women on the podcast, because you know, it's not often that you know, I bring women over into my recording studio, because, you know... A little bit weird, but um, I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks so much for, for coming on and, and swinging by to visit your old stomping grounds of Montrose. Yeah, we uh, we had I knew that um, there was the event going on with the coffee shop opening, and then when I, we saw you were going to be here, we were like, oh, that'll be like something fun yeah. to do on a rainy day. Yeah, so. I'm really excited about being here. It's it's definitely an interesting crowd. You know, I came in and um, a lot of a lot of really wonderful ladies here. And uh, I can hear your, your kid screaming at you from across the room. Yes, he is. Yeah, it'll be interesting <laughs> editing all of these things and seeing how much background noise I'll have to edit out. But um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. So all the time that I have you on here, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about your time at Camp Arrowhead. So if yeah. you would just share with me what Camp Arrowhead is and what you did there. Yeah, for sure. So um, Arrowhead is a camp up in northeastern Pennsylvania, um, and they run a program called Shepherd's Camp, which is a program for teens and adults with developmental disabilities. We, um, I started working there when I was 14. It was my first job. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and my mom, she had done camp ministry, or like had worked at a camp when she was a kid, loved it, and suggested that for me. Um, so we were just looking up camps in the area and randomly chose Arrowhead. Um, and obviously it stuck because 14 years later, I'm yeah. still there, yeah. um, in some capacity. So yeah, I, um, I started out 
there um, as a kid washing dishes and um, cleaning the bathrooms and, and doing that kind of stuff. And I had never worked with people with special needs. I, ha- I, I don't have any like relatives with Down syndrome or, or anything like that. Um, but once I got there, I really fell in love with the population. And um, it, I just like realized this is, this is what I love to do and this is where I love to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I stayed working there all through high school, college. Um, and then after college, I had my nursing degree. Um, and I thought that that was going to be the end of my time at Arrowhead. But God brought us back and um, I got offered the, the full-time nurse position. Um, so John and I were there for two years. Our, the first two years that we were married, um, we were working at camp and then... Now that we've had the baby, um, mostly stay at home, mm-hmm. but I was able to go up for the first the first week last week um, and be the nurse, and then I'll be the nurse this coming week. And it's so special to, to see all of my friends again, um, the campers, the staff. And yeah. then one thing that we were talking about bringing Sawyer in was like he's going to grow up around, yeah. around Arrowhead and get to like – all of the campers that I have fallen in love with, he's going to know them yeah. like from the time he's 11 months old and he yeah. like, they were all holding him and, oh, and playing so with cool. him. And yeah. um, it's just like, he's going to grow up around special needs and it's not going to be something special to him. It's just going to be normal. That's yeah. like, that's so it's great. like, Oh, that's uncle Charlie. And that's uncle Chris. And like, yeah. he's, I just love that, that there's nothing like set apart to him. They're just people that he loves. Yeah, that's really great. That's a really great perspective. And I hadn't thought about that because, you know, that's one of the reasons that Becca and I are so motivated to at some point go to Wisconsin is that we want to immerse our children in an environment of people who are also pursuing ministry in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, um, you know, as I, as a dad, and I'm sure as a mom too, you can relate that, you know, I have become really protective of Haven's environment and the way that she's like being brought up in her surroundings. And, uh, and I don't really know what that means as she gets older for, for both the girls, Haven and Lennon, if I'm going to, you know, want them to be homeschooled or want them to be, um, and go to regular school or how all that looks. But one thing that um, I think is really important is to immerse them in either a church environment where we're serving others constantly, or in your case, you know, you're able to bring them up in an environment that you're, you know, you're serving people with mental disabilities. I think that's like a really great thing. He's going to grow up with a really cool example of that and a really cool perspective that a lot of his, his little baby peers and, and toddler peers and <laughs> kid peers are going to have that same perspective. And so, yeah. and yeah, in that he'll be able to, you know, um, share his, growing love and wisdom for those people on his own. So that's really cool. Yeah. As parents, we have this responsibility with our kids, um, like as we're raising them, being very intentional about the the influences that we bring into their lives and the mm-hmm. things that we keep away from them. And it's really neat with you guys, like in um, bringing them in, into missions and then with us right now, the like immersing them in the special needs community, yeah. just like the way that, parents passions get transferred to their kids and um just continuing to advance really good things yeah absolutely so um so you started working arrowhead and you're 14 um and that is where you met your husband i did not when i was 14 i wish (laughs) (laughs) mr john groves who who you know that i love and adore john um and as i've grown older i've begun to really appreciate friends and um and I love my friends a lot, but you have a story of sort of how you and John met and later started <laughs> dating. I would love for you to share that on yes. my I'd be uh. honored because it's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. I, I was like a couple stories that I've heard. So, so. Um, it started out um, before I even met him <laughs> because <laughs> my friends and I were down in the office of camp. Um, this was the summer, the summer after... I graduated college, um, and so it was. It was at the the spring semester of my senior year. My friend and I we were visiting camp, um, and we were looking through the list of all of the new staff for the upcoming summer. And she and I were looking them up on Facebook to see mm-hmm. if any of them were cute. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, Angel, look at this guy. I think you would like him." And it was John, um, and. 
And I was like, I mean, he is kind of cute. <laughs> and so we're like scrolling through his pictures. And then we go back to, to school to finish out the, the semester. And I was like kind of talking to a guy. And she and I, um, we met up for lunch. And, I, and we were talking about this other guy. And she's like, Angel, don't date him. You need to wait for John. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> like we had no all that we knew about him was his Facebook at this point um and she took a picture of it of that conversation and she sends it to me every year that it like pops up on her memories oh, <laughs> like, that's so funny. anniversary of when she told me to wait for John um and so I did I didn't I didn't date that other guy um and we got to we got to camp for the summer and I was like so nervous to get there for staff training um and I like got all dressed up and <laughs> Um, then I, I remember I walked out onto the blacktop where everybody was just kind of like mingling as, as people showed up and John's job was the staff discipler. So his, like his job was to interact with the staff. And Uh so he did a great job of it from the beginning. He was like introducing himself to everyone that came up. And so he came over and introduced himself to me and I was like, Oh, it's nice to meet you. (laughs) Um, and then we all were sitting down and he was saying, like he was like oh yeah I have uh, a younger brother and two older sisters and we just went to Disney World and I was like I've already stalked your Facebook I already know all this tell me something new (laughs) yeah right (laughs) um and so um yeah I was like hardcore crushing on him from the beginning and then that was it was the summer after I graduated from Bible school so I had like 20 weddings to go to that summer Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but I, one of the weddings, I had a plus one too. I was a friend from high school. And so I, I, I wanted to ask John to come with me. I was so nervous. So I had, um, like all of my friends, I had practiced with them, like how I was going (laughs) to play it off really cool and ask him to come to this wedding with me. And so after like 20 practice rounds, I um, the campers were out playing bingo and John was sitting at a table with some campers. So I went over and I was like, Hey, are you, uh, are you doing anything on whatever the weekend was? And he's like, I don't think so. I was like, Oh cool. Do you, um, would you want to go to a wedding with me? Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh sure. And I was like, yeah, it's a friend from high school. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to know anybody there. So it'd be nice to like have yeah. a friend. And he's like, cool. Yeah. And then I like got up and, and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Did it. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Um, and then a f- like a couple weeks later, <laughs> or maybe like a week later, um, I was like, also, by the way, it's four hours away. Uh, is that okay? And he was like, I mean, sure. <laughs> um, so then we, the day came and uh, we drove out there and I was like, I was trying to play it really cool. Um, and... But I was, like, so nervous in the car. And we, like, halfway there, I, like, got got out of the car, and I was pumping gas, and I was, like, all right, God, just let me have a fun time. (laughs) Just, like, let me be friends with John and not be, like, waiting for, like, 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 oh, I hope he likes me. Like, yeah. I don't want to just be disappointed at the end of this. I want to just have a fun time yeah. with a great guy who is my friend. Um, and I, when I got back in the car, I really was like a lot more relaxed. I felt mm. a lot better. And um, we had a great time at the wedding. The there was like there were a couple of guys that I was friends with from high school there, and um, they were like, when John had like went to the bathroom or something, uh, one of them was like so how long have you and your boyfriend been together? And I was like, oh, he's not my boyfriend. I really like him, but we're just friends right now. Um, like, I just asked him to come to the wedding with me. And and then when John came back, um, they had started dancing. And so um, we were kind of standing around, and I was like, oh, man, I really hope that he asks me to dance. <laughs> and they started a slow song, and John turned around and asked me to dance. And I, like, looked back at, at my friends, and they were like, go, 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 go. <laughs> um, and then um, – we, for the four-hour drive back, uh, John drove, and, like, the sun was going down, oh, and yeah. he, it, we were in a, in a pickup truck, so it was just, like, the bench seat, and, like, he had his arm on the bench, and, like, not around me, but, yeah. um, like, it was, like, so special, and I was like, man, I really, really like this guy, uh, but I just had a great time today, and um, we got home, and I was just, like, so content. I got back to my cabin and my roommate who 
was dating John's friend at the time, she was like, I've got some news. I don't, or because she had told me that she thought John was interested in somebody else. She's like, John doesn't like that other girl anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm just trying to be content. Like, don't tell me that. (laughs) Um, And then two days later, John came uh, down from his cabin and asked me to go talk. And he was like, I really like you. And I just, like, he realized it on the, on the, uh, on our drive to the wedding. Um, And so it was just really cool how it all came together. And now it's been, that was 2016. So something like five five years years that we've been together. So very cool. Yeah. That's Very cool. How, uh, does your does your friend that got married at the wedding know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I told her, um, and so are like kind of a tribute our uh-huh. <laughs> relationship to their wedding. Yeah, <laughs> so Very it was cool. pretty cool. Yeah, I think in my like that's like one of my favorite stories. I remember that's like my second time hearing it, and I still love it every time. And I think the the reason I love it was because it's really rare that a woman pursues a, a man like that. <laughs> John says like he's like that wasn't our first date. It doesn't count. You didn't tell me it was a date. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was a first date. I definitely <laughs> think it was a first date, but very cool. So, so after that, you guys started dating, and now you guys are married, and you guys have a little guy named Sawyer. Yeah, um, he's the best. Yeah, love that little guy, and and Haven loves him, but I think um, she intimidates him a little bit. But <laughs> um, so now that you know, John is the pastor, um, a pastor of an Anglican church mm-hmm. in Binghamton. You're you know a new mother, and you have a business um, where you sell custom mugs which are really cool and i think i own just about every one of them <laughs> probably i don't think i've missed one yet we're a huge fans how are you managing that um as, as a business i know the business is you know doing really well for you right i mean it, it you by the way like i've worked in marketing for a long time and i've never chose marketing marketing chose me i don't particularly like marketing super like a, a ton but there are two people that i know specifically that i'm like oh my gosh i know that's not their primary function but you guys are like made for marketing and that's you and then another, another guy i know named dan gleason i don't know you know dan oh yeah, gleason, yeah 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 but dan gleason owns like a like an outdoor like uh like hardware store hardware kind of store place, kind yeah. of thing but well, like like riding mowers and chainsaws and all of that but between the two of you like i was like those two people like know marketing and are really really good at it <laughs> thank you and so you do an incredible job marketing hands to learn mugs you can check them out on instagram a little, little uh plug for you there um but tell me a little bit about how you're managing all of that yeah it's definitely hard um especially going from like not having a baby to having a baby suddenly 24-7. Um, but it is really nice um, with like – John is is really supportive um, and so helpful, and I, I couldn't do it without him. Um, and so he's able to – because his job is flexible, he's able to like take point on Sawyer for mm-hmm. – um, most afternoons and so like i'll get a couple hours but um mostly it's just nap time and bedtime and and fit and work into the corners and um i definitely have have a lot of room to grow of like managing my time well and like when i have or like like being very like pointed with Mm -hmm. with um things that i that i work on um and staying really focused but yeah it's um it is definitely a gift to be able to do that. I love that I'm able to stay home with Sawyer and do art and ministry in it um, and, like, be able to share the gospel in that way. Um, like, like you were talking about marketing, it's not my, like, favorite thing. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. consider myself a businesswoman, but I kind of am right now. Like, yeah. it's just the nature yeah. of it. So um, the thing that really made me that, like, because I was – kind of like floating for a while mm-hmm. like I didn't know how to market my products and then once I defined my why that's how yeah. I I just grew in my marketing because once you when you know what you're passionate about and why mm-hmm. you're passionate about it then you can share that and that's what sells it so yeah. like I know that I love to help people share their story kind of like yeah. what you do on the podcast like mm-hmm. you you love to like dive into people's stories and um and so I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about encouraging people through scripture. Um, and John is so helpful with that because I yeah. like always defer to him like, where's the theology in this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so a lot of that comes from him too. Um, but like n- when you really believe in something, you can make other people believe in that too. Yeah. Like you just r- really have a heart yeah. for that. So um, that's, that is kind of what makes marketing easy is because I'm already passionate about it. So yeah. I'm just pouring out yeah things that i love and so that's great um yeah very cool 
Awesome. Well, the last thing I want to ask you on here um, is our time comes to an end. And it's one thing I'm asking everyone today, and i kind of given you a little bit of time to think about it. It's a very general question that is open to interpretation however you desire. But the question I'm going to ask you is just, are you happy? Yeah. Um, I would say that I am. Um, obviously, as a believer, that our joy comes from the Lord, and that's like an underlying current. So even on the days that I am frustrated and Mm -hmm. (laughs) discouraged um i can i can ground myself in knowing that the lord's promises to me are still true and um and that he is still good despite how i am feeling but um yeah i really am i would say like this season is is i'm very grateful that this season is very happy Mm -hmm. um and so i i have really been blessed in that way but um yeah Okay. I would I would say that I'm happy and I'm I'm thankful for the community that we have here and that really adds to it I guess. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I appreciate that a lot. And then the follow up question to that that I've been asking people, I'm actually going to give you a different question. The question I've been asking is, what advice would you give to a younger generation or a younger version of yourself? I'm actually going to phrase it a little bit differently and say that if there was a girl that was listening to this podcast that has an interest in a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a little nervous about going for it and going over to that table and asking that person to a wedding or whatever. What advice would you give to that person? Just go for it. I mean, though, like the worst thing that would happen is that they say no. And one thing that I have learned like over time is like, if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. So yeah. like if God wanted John and I to be together, we were going to be together whether I invited him to that wedding or we waited it out. Um, But I'm, I love the way that it did happen and um, that like I got to play a different part of it than if I had just like sat around. Well, I have to agree with that as well because I've, I've told Becca and Becca doesn't, you know, maybe feel exactly the same way that I do, but um you know, Beck and I obviously met in Jackson, Michigan at Bible school. And at the time I was dating a girl and it was like kind of one of those high school relationships. And, and uh, now it's one of those things where, you know, she's, you know, doing final life. I couldn't imagine even <laughs> like our lives are so different now, but, um, and I left, um, Jackson, Michigan because I didn't like being away from her and, and, um, which is really silly, but, um, at the time her and I almost broke up one time. There's one instance where her and I almost broke up and we didn't. And, I think if we had broken up and I had stayed, that Becca and I would still end up together. And I think that um, that Becca and I, it was God's desire for us to be together. And although it didn't happen the first time around, it had to happen four years later. Um, I, or maybe not four, yeah, about four years later, um, that her and I ended up getting together. I do totally, like, 100% back what you say. And if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Angel. I really appreciate it. I think both of our spouses are gone by this point. So, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it a lot. Thanks. My very last guest on this episode is Linda. Linda and I immediately hit it off. She's an incredible, incredible person. Um, I really appreciated my conversation with her. Right off the bat, one of the first things that really struck me was that um, she was there with her daughter encouraging her entrepreneurial entrepreneurial goals, which is a word that I will never learn how to say. Um, I really appreciated that from her as, as someone that considers himself an entrepreneur himself um, and as a father, I think it's really exciting and really important that we encourage our children to pursue those types of things. So, And I ended up buying a bracelet from um, her daughter. She makes these little, um, you know, little jewelry pieces that are amazing and beautiful. And I bought one for myself and one for my wife, and we both love them. So uh, thank you again so much, Linda, for being on this podcast if you're listening. And uh, thank you, Linda's daughter, whose name is uh, is a little bit forgotten on me. I apologize, but thank you both for, um, for that. And thank you, Linda, for the amazing conversation about what it has been like for you as a mother raising a son with a disability. But thanks so much for volunteering to, to come on and talk to me. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. How's your day going? It's going well. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a great place. This is fantastic. Great. Are you local here to Montrose? Um, actually, I live in Appalachian. Appalachian. Yeah, okay. New York. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I live in Conklin, New York. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 
Right on. So that's a little bit of a, tr- a little bit of a hike for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I work um, with uh, one of the owners here, Jen Flanagan. So okay. I work with her in my day job. Okay. <laughs> so um, she invited us to come. My daughter makes jewelry, so so Very I cool. decided to participate. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'm super happy that you have uh, volunteered to come on, and we had a little bit of a brief conversation um, before you came on, and you shared a little bit about your role in the community for special needs people. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, so I have I have two children. I have my daughter who is here with me. Um, Vanessa, she's uh, turning 15 actually this weekend, and um, and she makes jewelry. And I have a son, um, Alex, who is um, 16, and he has Down syndrome. And so, um, you, as a parent of a child with down with any type of special need, you tend to become an advocate for that child. Um, and you work with the schools to get the right services mm-hmm. and get the right placements and the right supports for, for your child. Um, and then, you know, he's 16, so now we're looking past school, you know, a few more years of school, and then what happens down the road as mm-hmm. an adult. Um, you know, the unemployment rate for folks, any anybody with a disability is quite high. Mm-hmm. So you look for what are those opportunities to um, help your child or, or your young adult get trained, get the right training. What does that look like? Where are those opportunities in the community um, for placement for for your family members? Great. So what has it been like for you as a mother? You know, obviously you have a 15-year-old daughter, which, gosh, I could just ask you for advice because I got two girls myself. So, um, (laughs) But what has it been like, um, you know, been like raising um, your 16-year-old son up to this point? How has it been different and what have been like the more challenging things? Um, you know, he's. I remember when when he was born. Um, I had a friend t- told me that um, he will achieve the same goals and, and accomplishments as other children, just at a different pace. Mm. Um, and and there's a lot of truth in that. Um, you know, so it was, it was slower going. You know, it took us a little bit longer to learn to walk. It took us a little bit longer for our language to develop. Right. So so that's all. That's all very accurate. Um, it has taught me patience. It's taught me a lot of patience. Um, I, I certainly learn more from both of my kids than I think they learned from me, honestly. Um, and um, he he brings out so much compassion in other people. Um, I watch my daughter with him. I watch his friends at school with him. And um, he's just this easygoing kid who but likes the same things yeah. that other kids like he likes to play his video games and mm-hmm. you know and minecraft and his he likes to watch you know movies and he mm-hmm. likes all those same activities he plays he bowls on the varsity bowling team at, high, at the high school he's at he plays in a unified basketball um league he plays um challenger little league um so he does all those same activities and things that you know his his peers are doing um but it takes more time it mm. takes more time. It, yeah. it takes patience. You have to. Um, there's there's more education involved, more yeah. repetitive, you know, um, r- reminders about how to do certain things. So, um, and having the right setting in school mm-hmm. is is something that you have to advocate for. You yeah. have to really work with the school district. You know your kid best, and yeah. that's really the advice I give to anyone: is you know your child best. Um, so work with the schools to the best of your ability and advocate for your child. There are things. Mm. There are sports that can be put in place there are different programs different options different opportunities um and i think that's a really as a parent of a, of, of a child with special needs that's something that i think you have to continue to um just keep in the forefront of your mind yeah. well that's fantastic i mean right off the bat the first thing is i, I want to just compliment you so much on what i can already see is you're an amazing mother and Thank you. um you know i think for me like i, ha- I wear a lot of different hats mm-hmm. you know um but nothing is more important to me than being a dad and a husband. Yep. That's the thing that I strive to be better at every single day. Mm-hmm. But just to hear everything you're doing for your son is so amazing. But also you're here with your daughter today, supporting mm-hmm. her entrepreneurial spirit and yep. selling her jewelry. That is just so cool. And I appreciate you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, I think for, you know, uh, I imagine a lot of other parents like myself were constantly just looking for um, inspirations and looking for um, encouragement and seeing, you know, parents that are ahead of us and how they're doing things. And I'm just like so thrilled to see everything you're doing as a mom. I think that's really, like, I mean that a lot because um, I you. love being a dad so much. It's, mm-hmm. it's been um, the greatest couple years of my life mm-hmm. of having my little girls. I'm sure you saw I them. I saw but, them. Yeah, yes, they're um, beautiful. <laughs> thank you. And yeah, so I really just admire um, you being a mom. And 
and I think that any mom of, of a special needs kid is special, but you seem to be doing a really great job of that. And Thank so you. I Thank appreciate you. that a lot. Um, tell me a little bit about Gigi's and, and, and how you're serving the community more. So Gigi's Playhouse um, is a Down Syndrome Achievement Center, okay. and they're across the country, um, and we have one in Vestal, New York. Um, so we opened ours in 2019, so we're yeah. going on just over two years now. Um, I'm the board president there, and, cool. um, you know, it took us a good year and a half to get everything together and, and you know, get ready and be, be, be prepared to bring the Playhouse to the community. But the community has been so supportive of the Playhouse. Mm. It's incredible. We offer um, free purposeful programming for anybody. Does You don't have to have just Down syndrome. You can have, and it can be anybody, any type of disability, special need, um, where our, our doors are open to everybody and all of our programming is free. Um, we offer all different eight programming for all different age groups from our littlest our littlest um, f friends all the way up to our adults. We have adult programming as well. We um, actually have a nice relationship with Binghamton University and we um, work a lot with their, stu their grad students um, mm. on a math and literacy tutoring program that we have oh, in place cool. and we're um, uh, launching a speech program as well. So, um, but it's an, uh, it's, the Playhouse represents an opportunity for our, for our, our kids and our adults mm -hmm. um, and the families. Um, we, it's a place where folks can come and be comfortable. It's mm. a place they can call their own. Um, they get programming that, at their level, meets their needs, whatever that is. Okay. Um, we have GG Fit programs. We have all different types. So there's some educational, and everything is purposeful. So whether it's there's um, fine motor skills built into it, there's gross motor skill activities built into it. So everything has a purpose, and it's been designed by an educator or by a therapist. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, the, we, what we tell our, our friends who come in is that we just want them to be their best of all. Yeah. whatever that looks like. If they start a GG Fit program, six weeks into the pro in the beginning, they could do two push-ups. Hmm. Six weeks into the program, after being at the Playhouse for you know six or eight different sessions, now they can do five push-ups. Yeah. That's their best of all. They've accomplished, yeah. right? They've grown. And that's really the point behind all of the programming. That's so. awesome. Very cool. Awesome. So um, you got that going on. That's, that's fantastic. You live in Appalachian. How did you end up in Appalachian? Are you from there originally? Um, no, originally, well, I was born in Utica, Whitesboro. Utica. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I basically grew up in the Binghamton area, lived in Endicott pretty okay. much all of my life. Um, and then once I got married, we moved into Appalachian. So, Very cool. and that's where we've been. My husband is local from Johnson City. So Very we cool. kind of stayed in the area. Awesome. What does your husband do? Um, he works in insurance. He works okay. At, yep. Insurance company. Awesome. Very cool. Well, it's fantastic to meet you and I appreciate you sharing all those things. And I'm going to shoot you the, uh, the question that I have been shooting everyone today that I've given you a little bit of time to ponder. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, are you happy? Yes, I can honestly say yes. Um, I feel like I'm at a, at a point in my life where, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, right? Mm -hmm. But we still, you still worry about them. You still, yeah, you know, sure. you still help them and want them to succeed. Um, but there's, they're a little bit more independent now, yeah. you know, and I'm at a point in my career where I feel like, you know, I'm comfortable. I know my strengths. I know, you know, where I have opportunities and I, yeah. I feel comfortable in my role there at work. Um, I've been married for 18 years now. Um, and I, I, my mom is still around. My in-laws are here. My sisters in Syracuse, right? So I have, we have family um, in the area. So I feel like I'm in a very good place in my life right good. now. That's great to hear. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, then last question I want to ask you is if you were to uh, send a message to maybe a younger version of yourself or to really anybody that's listening. What words of advice would you share um, or what would you say to yourself maybe 10 or 15 years ago um, just as a words of comfort or words of advice? Oh, great question. Um, I think I would say have patience. Hmm. Um, I don't recall being a particularly patient individual, particularly in my early 20s. Um, and I think being a mom changes that being a mom in general being a mom yeah. of a child with special needs changes that um i would say be patient and be comfortable with who you are and that's you know 15 years ago i don't know that i could say i was either of those things okay awesome well thank you so much for coming on my podcast you've been so pleasant to to talk to you throughout today and and uh, i wish the best to your daughter and her little business and i'm gonna happily go shop for some jewelry myself so <laughs> great thank you so much it's great meeting you also thank you yeah, thank let's, you it was let's nice connect to meet and you. be friends on facebook or something sounds good thanks so right. much yeah my pleasure
Thank you so much for uh, enjoying this episode and listening to the episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to doing more of these events. I have one coming up in Ithaca, New York, not too long from now. It should be a lot of fun. So thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one. (laughs) 